Cybersecurity, it, it's a word that can mean so much and so little simultaneously. On one hand, it's the word that brings together a whole litany of topics from pen testing to antivirus, but on the other, it's a word that can often feel overused. But whether it's an overused buzzword or not, cybersecurity is changing the landscape of state and local governments as new threats continue to evolve. These new threats touching everything from the infrastructure of government networks to the Internet of Things devices aiming to keep agencies on the front lines of emerging technology change every single day, forcing officials to always be on their feet and ready to react. And that's where sharing, conversation, and education come in. Government needs to continue to up its game by learning as much as it can and taking action. Today on our podcast, we'll hear from two experts who can give us a little bit of context on what's happening across the public and private sectors with cybersecurity and its emerging threats. Joining us from the state of Utah, we have Mike Hussey. Mike's been the state CIO for just a little more than two years, but has been with the state's IT department since 2006. Mike, thanks for being with us today. Hey, thank you, Jake. Thank you for having me today, and it's always a pleasure to be with you. Also joining us, we have Peter Mosman, the lead pen tester and security consultant for Go Forward, an international IT security consultancy. Peter, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Very excited to be here. And our program today is sponsored by the folks over at Pluralsight. And with that, let's let's get started. Mike, I want to turn to you first here. Can you start by giving us an overview on your cybersecurity operation? How did you get to this point? Back in 2012, we had a, an issue with the Medicaid system, um, a potential uh, data incident there. And uh, we certainly felt the, the challenges of protecting the data, especially that data, um, because it is so confidential, so, uh, so much of it needing to be secured. And we, we took an introspective look about how we were doing things internally and uh, certainly felt like there was room for improvement uh, on the state side. And so we, we began to focus a lot of efforts on our cybersecurity programs. And uh, we've uh, matured that, that group uh, with a, a CISO. We've uh, hired a, a number of people. We've, uh, we've pushed a lot of resources to that to ensure that the state's data is as protected as we can keep it. Um, you'll notice that um, over the years, uh, you've, you've seen many things in the news. We watch the news too, and, and we're always shoring up those systems. Uh, so we, we want to um, be aware of what's going on in the industry while at the same time reacting here at the state. Um, just to make sure that, that that is the most secure we can make it. So again, what, how we've responded is by creating um, a, a very mature cybersecurity group uh, here at the state, uh, throwing a lot of resources at it, and actually continue to look at what's going on in the industry. And so it's, um, it's paid dividends for the state as, as you see the number of threats and, and attempts to break into systems, and yet we're, we're thwarting many of those, but uh, we're always uh, improving what we're doing. And, and the bad guys, they're very talented and very bright individual as well. And so we're, we're always kind of watching what's going on and, and responding accordingly. So uh, I, I think that you'll see that many states will want to respond in a similar fashion. And, and uh, we, we share information among those states to make sure that, again, that we are as safe as possible. Peter, you know, I think you bring some really unique experience here, pretty firmly rooted in the private sector. What are you seeing across the corporate landscape when it comes to cybersecurity operations, and really how did we get to that point here? From my point of view, we have been connecting stuff to the Internet much faster than we actually could defend it. I mean, everything is connected now to the Internet, not only your servers, your machines, but now also your cameras, even cars. And unfortunately, or fortunately for some, the legislation and regulation haven't kept up with that. So we're still we're trying to, to catch up with that and trying to defend as good as we can. So it's still basically the Wild West from my point of view. 
currently. Mike, you know, in order to achieve any of the things that you just mentioned in cybersecurity, there's got to be some level of intelligence gathering going on. And, and how are you in Utah gathering that cybersecurity intelligence, digesting it, and then moving on to disseminating it over to your partners? Yeah, another good question, Jake. Uh, and that's, I think, some of the challenges that uh, many states are facing is, is how to gather that, that intelligence that is available and uh, we, we partner with many agencies. Uh, we partner with MSISAC, uh, with the FBI, with the Department, Department of Homeland Security um, to, uh, to gain intelligence that's coming from uh, many states and consortiums together and flowing down to the state. And then we, at the same time, disseminate that to the cities and counties that we, that we work with. So, uh, for instance, if there's a hit uh, in a particular city or county, um, and it comes through our MSISAC channel, um, they will notify our CISO, and he in turn will notify that city or county that they might go look at a system or, or investigate some, some strange behavior coming from a particular computer. So we do, um, we, we gather that information, and it comes from a myriad of states, folds up at the federal level, and then comes back down here at, to the state. And at the same time, uh, we take that same information. If we see something um, at the state level and we want to disseminate that to other states uh, through, that, through those same channels, we can uh, take that information, upload it through these channels, and it will go out to other states at, at the same time. So when you have a cooperative of 50 states um, or even cities and counties joining together, uh, you certainly get to, to uh, share the, the, the intelligence that's among all of those communities and uh, and level the or raise the level of the boats in all of, in all of the harbor here. Peter, Mike's talking about a pretty essential piece to that cybersecurity puzzle here, and, and that's collaboration. From your perspective, how are companies in the private sector also gathering and sharing that cybersecurity intelligence with their partners while still digesting it and getting to it internally? Well, actually, it's pretty different than what the Mike just described, because collaboration is somewhat more different in the in the private sector. You often have a competitive relationship and you don't want to steal your proprietary information or any information for that matter that might be helpful for competitors or sometimes even for attackers. So companies in the private sector are more hesitant of sharing information as opposed to the state and, and government level, I think. That's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic there, and, and that's something that we've actually heard quite a bit about in the state and local arena, about how state and local governments can really come together and share best practices, share ideas, and share that intelligence, while it's a little bit more of a challenge to do that in the private sector. In fact, it sometimes doesn't even happen, again, due to what you were talking about. So, so again, to that collaboration piece, Mike, how are you helping other agencies, either at the local, state, or federal level, take proactive action on that cyber threat intelligence once you've helped them gather it? Kind of to what I was speaking to earlier with the, the MSISAC, uh, for instance, we, we have these Albert sensors where you might uh, find a hit on an Albert sensor um, coming from uh, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, and it will notify our CISO and say, hey, you know, this machine may have some ransomware, or they're, they're seeing strange behavior um, from a, a county machine. And uh, we have those points of contact in the counties or the cities where our CISO can reach out to them and, and inform them of this, this behavior that's existing on a, a particular computer. And so as we start to share that intelligence, first of all, we develop those relationships with the counties and the cities and begin to, again, bond together uh, and find improvement because of the, the synergy that happens between all of us together. But at the same time, uh, that relationship with the feds, um, with some of these uh, federal entities, um, you start to see um, 
a little more proactive approach because you're now catching the, the, um, the ransomware early on in the process where it, it may be sending command and control traffic rather than actually encrypting the hard drive. And so you can catch things maybe even uh, preemptively, uh, take care of the, the problem and remediate it before it actually, before someone loses their data. So uh, because of these, uh, these notifications that happen and, and the sharing of data between these entities, uh, we're seeing again some, some huge improvements in that space and, and, our, um, and some of our, our issues uh, go down a little. Not completely solved, but at the same time, we're seeing improvement. So, Peter, you mentioned that in the private sector, companies aren't sharing as much data or, or intelligence, again, for competitive reasons or for security reasons. But what are you seeing as companies have to work together to take action collectively as the private sector uh, on cyber threats and specifically on cyber threat intelligence? Well, what I do see actually that there's a bigger interest in security overall. And there's not so much a, a movement going on of sharing of intelligence, but more of knowledge. Knowledge is really the, the point that's driving all the, the sharing between the, the companies. And actually, to be honest, uh, most sharing is not going on between companies themselves, but most of the time you see individuals of companies, they have less restrictions to talk freely about, say, incidents happen or uh, current threat indicators or indicators of compromise. And on the individual level, that's really where the, the sharing happens right now for the, for the bigger companies. For instance, you have a lot of... Um, small, local, national, but also international conferences, and especially in those hallway conferences, in those places where you meet other people from other companies, that's actually where the, the sharing happens right now, the real informal part. So less formal than I think Mike's been referring to. So, so last question here for, for both of you, but, but Mike, we'll go to you first. Looking forward, how do you expect cybersecurity to change and, and develop in, in Utah? How will these ideas that we've talked about, and, and maybe even some that we didn't talk about, shape the future of cybersecurity in the state? Well, some of the things we're trying to do in the state is uh, certainly aggregate the resources that the state already has, bring those resources together to strengthen all of our groups. Um, where, where we, the state has assets and they're, they're spread around the state, but if we could organize those together into a cyber center, um, I think, again, this will improve the, the uh, secure, cybersecurity posture within the state. But while we're doing that, at the same time, if we develop these relationships with higher ed and bring in internships uh, and develop internships with these, um, maybe some universities and colleges throughout the state, we can develop cyber talent by bringing in those folks um, early on in their career or in the, while they're in their schooling, uh, get them exposure to some of the things that we're seeing, the, the hundreds of millions uh, of hits a day that we're getting, um, or even you know, how to um, best practices with networking and, and desktop configurations and hardening of, of these systems. And you bring those, those students in uh, through these internships. Uh, Maybe we can develop some cyber talent in the state that there's certainly a lot of uh, uh, there's shortages in this industry throughout not just Utah, but I think across the industry. Um, I hear of of openings um, all over the United States and some very attractive places to live. And so I don't know how we'll compete with many of those. But at the same time, if we can develop that cyber talent within the state, I think these folks will be guaranteed a job and it will improve uh, the, the cybersecurity posture of these companies, of the states, where, where these people finally get uh, gainfully employed. So you can see this changing down the road. Again, I, I see us developing these, the, the cyber center, developing the, the, the relationships with higher ed and, and cultivating talent that right now is, is pretty difficult to find. 
uh, and then and then uh, hire those folks or get them out into the workforce, and um, and then that's where it may address some of the issues that Peter was raising in, in the private sector, and uh, and improving uh, the landscape for all of us. And lastly, Peter, same same question to you. You know, we've talked so far about what agencies like Mike's are, are doing in the cybersecurity arena and how they gather and use that intelligence and how they're helping others do it as well. Uh, where is all this going next in the private sector, and what should government be learning from it? Oh, actually, maybe it's uh, the other way around. What can the private sector learn from the government? What Mike said about creating a cyber center and investing in talent, that really sounds like a great initiative. No, but further, uh, what I see in the, the private sector is, uh, thankfully, a lot of cooperation. And security is more and more seen as a shared responsibility. Or it used to be that only security professionals were, were the people that were actually investing in, in security and looking around for new knowledge and new intelligence. People now more see the necessity themselves. It's more becoming a, a shared thing as opposed to a specialized thing. And people now also see the advantages of having a good security plan praise, uh, even some legislation. It's moving more and more towards a demand-driven situation, not only the employees, but also the customers are demanding secure stuff right from the get-go. It's more becoming a demand-driven situation as opposed to that uh, security professionals are trying to push an organization towards the realm of creating more secure stuff. And I also think that uh, maybe it's not a popular notion, but I, I do really think that security um, hopefully can be regulated a little bit more so that uh, legislation can help really propel the security even more forward. But again, this is not may be a very popular notion. Fortunately, that's all the time we have left today. But uh, Peter, Mike, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thank you, Jake. Thank you for having us and, and for uh, getting the word out on, on this very um, important topic and one that is certainly timely in the industry right now as, as the all private and public sector are dealing with these challenges. Challenges in are. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks again to Peter Mosmans from GoForward, Mike Hussey, the state CIO of Utah, and Pluralsight for their participation on today's conversation about the continually evolving threat that is cybersecurity. For more information on how you can plug into all the latest educational resources around cybersecurity, check out Pluralsight. And for all the latest news and events in the state and local government, technology, and cybersecurity world, check out statescoop.com. I'm your host, Jake Williams, Statescoop's associate publisher and director of strategic initiatives. Thanks for listening.